0: Hello, and welcome to Exhaling Words, the language podcast where I just sit here for like 30 minutes or something and talk and, well, hopefully you listen. For those of you who don't know, my name is Aaron, and I am your host, and I will be your host for all of eternity, or until I stop doing this podcast. So, when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about for this week, there were several things that popped into my head. But something that really stood out that's been sort of running through my head for several reasons was actually a mistake that I made the other week and the implications beyond it. So the other week in the episode where I talked about telling age and how do we tell age, I gave an example in Hebrew. And I later found out from a friend of mine that the example was wrong. Not the age construction, the concept of using ben plus a number and but plus a number is completely fine. But in the example I gave, I was talking about how you can say like, Ani bat I'm 30 years old. Or if you want to say like a 30-year-old man, you can say Hageva ben shloshim is what I said. So that's wrong. The actual sentence or phrase would be Hageva ben ha And so this ha in there in front of the word shloshim is the word the. And it makes complete sense to me as a speaker of Arabic and somebody who has been learning Hebrew, why that should be there. The moment it was pointed out to me, I thought, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. What what was I thinking? But because I guess I had never said it before or come across it before, it just didn't register in my head to say it that way. And so I wanted to think about and talk about what is the definite article? How do we use the definite article on a cross-linguistic level? And then I really mostly want to hone in on how do we use the definite article in Hebrew and Arabic and the rules that sort of surround that? And then um, towards the end, I'd like to sort of complain a little bit about the indefinite article in Persian. So articles, let's start with what are articles. Articles are words that precede or, or follow a noun, or in some languages also adjectives and things, that mark grammatical information about the noun. Most commonly what we see are they mark nouns as being definite, meaning like specified, or indefinite, like unspecified or singular. There are multiple varieties of articles. There are articles that mark the partitive. There are articles that mark uh, proper nouns. It it just sort of depends on the language and what features it has. Now, the thing about articles is that articles are incredibly diverse. Um, Some articles reflect gender, some don't. Some articles reflect, you know, number or other grammatical features like case, which is the use of a word in a sentence. Some articles have varying forms. I'm thinking here, for example, about articles like in Albanian, where it's not just gender and number and case, but it's also, is this a attributed adjective or a predicative adjective and sort of other syntactic features about where the noun or the noun adjective phrase sits in the sentence can can sort of modify these things. And then on a larger level, some languages have definite and indefinite and other articles. Some languages have no articles. Some languages have just one or two. So like English, for example, we have a definite article and an indefinite article. Spanish, French, Portuguese, Italian, German, pretty much all the Germanic languages, they all have definite and indefinite articles. But then some languages only have one or the other. They have a definite, but they don't have an indefinite. Or they just sort of have started using the word one over the years to mark the indefinite. Some languages have indefinite, but they don't really have definite. That's the situation of Persian, but I'm going to problematize that a little bit later on. And then, like I said, some languages have nothing. Russian has no articles. Again, you can sort of use the word one to kind of make it indefinite or to specify one or singular thing. But theoretically, there are no articles in Russian. So articles are really sort of subjective. I think there's something that we take for granted as uh, native speakers of English or native speakers of languages um, that have articles. But, for example, like I know when I've studied Russian and the same thing, like friends who have studied Mandarin or Japanese or things where languages don't have articles. That can be really difficult because you want to be specifying, like, is this the or is it a? And how do I mark that? Or you know, the reverse is also true. Like, I know that, you know, hearing this from native Russian-speaking friends, that this is a struggle, you know, and it's now become a stereotype in like Russian accents and is You drop articles or you put them in the wrong place. But this is also like a real struggle for a lot of native speakers of Russian is figuring out where do you put the articles in English and when do you use them. Even if you speak a language that has articles, and then you're learning a language that also has articles. Sometimes there's nuance there that's lost. So for example, you know, when I learned French and Portuguese and, and Spanish, you learn that, you know, indefinite nouns or like abstract nouns often take the definite article. So When you speak of love, like love is a beautiful thing. You don't say amour, you say l'amour. It's, it's definite. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I made that sound that way. You know, or Portuguese, for example, along with also Maori, I didn't know this, has a proper article. So when you want to refer to somebody, you put an article in front of their name. When you're speaking to them, you would just say their name. But if I was talking about someone, like, you know, if I'm talking about Marissa, I would say, a Marissa, like the Marissa. And this is just normal, you know. And so learning to do this can sometimes be a struggle. But something that is sort of a unique situation, I think, for those of us who speak languages, even with articles, and it's something I've taught several times, you know, throughout the years, is the way articles and definiteness in general is marked in Arabic and then also in Hebrew. At this point with my Arabic, it just sort of makes sense. It starts to click, but apparently, as I'm clearly still making mistakes in Hebrew, um, not all the rules have solidified in Hebrew, or I think they have. The rules are pretty much the same. I would say they're 100% the same, but chances are there's an exception somewhere. But I, I guess just because I'm I'm rusty and I need more practice in Hebrew, I'm, I'm still making mistakes with them. So like I said, I want to I get into what is definiteness from a Semitic standpoint and how do we mark it and how do we make things agree with it? Kind of like a little mini lesson in Arabic and Hebrew grammar of definiteness. And then I kind of want to complain about indefiniteness in Persian. So let's get started. Okay, so definiteness in Arabic. I'm just going to mostly say Arabic here because for the most part, what I'm going to be talking about, it all applies to Hebrew too. But definiteness in Arabic is like the foundation of basic, you know, copulaic, like meaning X equals Y to sort of present tense to be sentences. It's also just the foundation of the noun phrase in general. So the definite article in Arabic is al- and it goes through some some phonological changes through assimilation that I don't really honestly have time to get into right now. So for those of you who speak Arabic, I in some of these examples, I will overpronounce the L, um, the Lam, even when it's not supposed to be pronounced. So even if I say like something El, like a Shams, I'm probably going to say so that people hear the, the definite article, I'll say Al Shams and sort of draw it out. So please don't message me and go, you don't speak proper Arabic because you didn't, you know... You didn't assimilate the lamb into the, uh, the uh, what do we call it in English? I don't know. Um, the the sun letters. <laughs> Anyways, so the definite article in Arabic is Al, A-L. And it has no other forms. It's not, you know, it doesn't mark masculine or feminine in terms of the grammatical gender. It doesn't mark plural or singular. Um, it doesn't mark case. It's just Al. So that's super simple. And in Hebrew, it's Ha. That's it. Sometimes because of um, some vowel rules and things, it'll get shortened to ha and and the vowel quality will shorter change. But for the most part, it's always going to be ha. Okay. so the rule in Arabic is that if you have a noun phrase, everything in the noun phrase has to match. And I think for many of us who have learned foreign languages, especially in terms of languages like, you know, the traditional Western European languages that Americans learn. We're used to saying, oh, things have to match in gender and number, which is true in Arabic. But they also have to match in definiteness. So for example, if I have the book, Al-Kitab, and I want to say the big book, the adjective for big, Kabir, has to also be definite. So it has to be masculine, like Kitab. It has to be singular, like Kitab. So we're just going to use the word Kabir and not Kabira or kibad or kabirul. And it also has to be definite. So if, if, if I want to say a book, it's Kitab Kabir. And if I want to say the big book, it's Al-Kitab Al-Kabir. Okay? I hope we're following so far. And this is why you hear the Al a lot, because you have Al-Kitab, the book, and then Al-Kabir, the big. But that matching indefiniteness is what gives us the noun phrase. The moment you break definiteness is when we get an actual sentence. So if I have Kitab Kabir, a big book, and Al-Kitab, Al-Kabir, the big book, but then I have Al-Kitab Kabir, I have the book, big. And because they don't match in definiteness, they are now two separate noun phrases. And so what that tells us is that there is now a verb to be in between them. And so now I have the sentence, the book is big. The same sort of concept also applies to Hebrew. So if I have the book, Hasefer, and then I have big, gadol, if I want to say big book, sefer gadol. If I want to say the big book, ha sefer, ha gadol. Whereas if I just said hasefer gadol, I'm saying the book is big, because by breaking the definiteness agreement between the noun and the adjective, I have now created two separate noun phrases within the sentence and thus I'm implying that X is Y. Now the question that always then follows is well what happens if I want to say that VX is VY? Like if I want to say the man is the teacher. Well if I have man in Arabic, Rajul, and I say Al Rajul, again before somebody corrects me, it's Al Rajul. But we're gonna just separate it all out here. El And then I have teacher, which is Ustav, and I want to say the teacher, El Ustev, but if I say El Rajul El Ustev, that's just the man who is a teacher, or the teacher man. That's a complete noun phrase. So I have to break these up. And so in Arabic you would say El Rajul or El Rajul, Huwa El Ustev. The man, he is the teacher. This is where Hebrew gets a little bit different. Okay, maybe not actually that different. In this situation, it would be identical. You would say, Hagever, The man, who, he, the teacher. The man is the teacher, or literally, the man, he is the teacher. However, Hebrew differs from Arabic when we when we move into discussing inanimate objects. So in Arabic, you would continue to use, um, which means he, while in Hebrew, you use "ze" meaning this, to, to divide the two noun phrases. So that's that's really the only slight difference. Anyways, this whole concept of definiteness spreads everywhere. So we use it with the words this and that. So in Arabic, if I want to say this book, I can't say hadha, this, and then book, kitab, because hadha is definite, innately, and kitab is indefinite. So I have to say hadha el-kitab, this book. Actually, you can say a Kitab, but saying Hezah Kitab means this is a book because you have a definite, and then you're breaking agreement by following it with an indefinite noun. The same thing sort of applies to Hebrew again. This is where Hebrew is going to be different. So if I wanted to say this book, you would say Hasefer Haze. You actually put the word this after the noun, but it's still going to match. You're saying Hasefer Haze, the book of the this. Whereas if you just say "ze Sefer, or Ze this is this is a book or this is the book. I don't even know if you could say hasafa ze. I think hasafa is like the book. Well this one is this. Like it you know, it's it's not a complete sentence. You want more. But again, I'm gonna have to check with the native speaker on that one. So this becomes a big deal in Arabic and Hebrew because it goes everywhere. You know, and so then this expands. I just gave you the example of using this and that, Hada and he in Arabic, or Ze and Zot in Hebrew, but it goes into compound nouns. So Arabic and Hebrew both have a thing called a, called the construct the construct state. In uh, Hebrew, we call the construct state. I don't even know what I actually call it in Hebrew. In Arabic, we call it al-adalfa. And so the construct state is an indefinite noun followed by a definite noun. In the most simplest of terms, sometimes you can have two indefinite nouns. And then that whole thing is considered one definite object. So, for example, if I say Kitab al-Ustav, the teacher's book, which is a book, the teacher, literally, it means the teacher's book. But if I want to say the the teacher's new book, I can't say Kitab al-Ustav Jadid because even though Kitab looks indefinite because it doesn't have al, the, the whole phrase of Kitab al-Ustav is a definite noun phrase because of the possessive construction there. And so Jadid has to match the whole definiteness of the entire phrase. And so since the whole phrase is definite, you have to say el jadid. Again, you could say kitab death jadid, but because you're breaking the definiteness here, you're actually creating a whole sentence that says, you know, the teacher's book is new. Okay, so now I wanna sort of step away from Arabic and Hebrew and Semitic languages in general for a second. And I wanna move towards Persian. Now, Persian officially does not have a definite article, and I would not debate that at all. However, Persian does have an indefinite article, but it has some interesting uses. So I'm just going to briefly introduce the indefinite article, and then I'm going to kind of complain a little bit about its use. So the indefinite article in Persian is a suffix, which in Iranian Persian is pronounced E. In uh, uh, Afghan Persian, it's also pronounced E, but in Tajik Persian, it's pronounced a. And it's written with the Cyrillic letter, yeah, eh, or eh. So one of the kind of difficult things is that E is also a suffix in Persian. It's used to create adjectives. And the distinction here is that E as an indefinite marker is not stressed, while E as an adjective suffix is stressed. So for example, if I want to say central, I can say madkazi. And it's markezi, not markezi. If I want to say a man, man is mar and I can say mar'di. Mar'di would be like manly or masculine or something, while mar'di is a man. This is then compounded <laughs> with the fact that the, the linking sort of sound in Persian, I don't want to call it a genitive because it's also used around adjectives, is the sound E. Eh. So, for example, if I want to say a big man or big man or something, I could say de Bozorg. But if I wanted to say a big man, I can either put the e suffix on Mard and say Mardi Bozorg, which notice that the a that connects them is now gone. You don't say Mardi Bozorg, you say de Bozorg or Mardi Bozorg. Or I can put the e suffix at the end of Bozorg, which means big, and I can say This is not incredibly complicated, but it's just frustrating I think at times because there's such nuance there in things like stress and little things. And then also in the writing, there's no written difference between e with stress as an adjective suffix and e without stress as an indefinite suffix. And so when you're trying to learn a new word or, you know, make out certain things or in a place like where you can have mardi and mardi, how do you know which one it is? This is the, you know, a place where I would definitely advocate for like Tajik where you have Marde and you have Mardi and Marde is A and that's it. And then Mardi is Mardi and that's it. And these aren't, you know, you don't have to deal with these issues at the very least in the orthography. Okay. So this is the general concept of the indefinite. The indefinite is the suffix E. Now, in colloquial Persian, it's often also either added or replaced by the word one, which in standard Persian is yek, but in colloquial, it becomes yeh. And so you'll hear like ye mardi, like amen, or just yeh mard, amen. So ye mard, yeh mardi, they both mean amen, or just mardi, amen. Either way, they all are the indefinite form. The thing that becomes difficult for people is that the indefinite "ye" or this indefinite e sound, is also used to sort of introduce relative clauses. So relative clauses in Persian are introduced by the word ke, which means which or what or whatever, just like you know Spanish and French ke and ke. And so you use the ke to introduce the clause, but when we want to specify the thing that the relative clause is referring to, we put the indefinite marker in front of it. I think this might be easier to just give an example. So for example, mard, man, a mard, or a man, mardi. But if I want to say like, the man that is very smart. mardi ke heli did you hear that? Now I'm talking about the man and I'm specifying it and I'm making it definite, but I'm making it definite using the indefinite marker. And this is what gets me about it. And I've gotten used to it now. Like I will say this, like this doesn't bother me as much anymore in actual practice. Like I've gotten really used to, okay, like relative clauses, especially about a specific thing are not just, you know, Clauses that begin with K after a noun or whatever. They're clauses that begin with K after an indefinite noun. So, Kitabi Kehundam, the book that I read. It's Kitabi. It's a book. But it's still the book that I read. You know, or Kasani Keh Tuiron Zendegi like, people that live in Iran. But it's not Kasan, people, to Iran. It's in the Yemi card, now. It's kasan ni ke, and it's this e suffix thing that, that it's just weird. I guess like again, I'm used to it now, but it's just I remember learning it and looking at it, going, "Why are we marking definite sort of nouns that we're following with with a, a relative clause with an indefinite marker?" And it's just a weird thing about Persian. I joke about, like, oh, I, you know, I just want to complain about it. But it's just, it's, it's cool in a way. It's, I think it adds to the difficulty of studying the language in some ways because we talked about how there isn't a definite. And so there's no way to refer to a definite. And we talked about how E is an indefinite. But to be honest, like, when modern speakers of modern Iranian Persian want to mark something as indefinite and not in this sort of relative clause way, they usually put ye in front of the word more than putting e. The e is not emphatic enough. So if you really want to say like a book, you say ye kitab or ye kitabi. Even ye kitabi, I don't know, the kitabi sounds sort of weird to me. A native speaker can correct me on that. But, you know, it's almost more like ye is the indefinite marker and this e indefinite is starting to pull at other grammatical forms. But yeah, I mean, there isn't a whole lot more to it than that. Personally, I also find it just, I, I find it a struggle sometimes to balance the, where are we putting the e suffix? And then how does that relate to the e the e the, the sort of connecting vowel between nouns and adjectives or between two nouns, you know? And th- But I think that's that's something that you just get used to over time. But I do very explicitly remember like having to be taught this e prefixing or this, using this e-suffix on the noun before its relative clause. Because it was, it's just not something that you're really going to intuit that much. Or you are, but you're not going to recognize it as, oh, this is the indefinite suffix. So it's really sort of this kind of unique feature to Persian that I find interesting, that it has an indefinite, but it's indefinite, is used to make things definite. How's that for you? <laughs> so anyways, yeah, again... I really wanted to focus more on sort of like what Arabic and Hebrew do because I really find it fascinating that, you know, we go from the extreme of having languages that have no articles to having languages like, you know, English or something that have both sets of articles, definite and indefinite, and use them quite extensively to a language like Arabic that technically, you know, it doesn't have an indefinite article. It does have definite, but its definiteness is a core fundamental piece of its grammar and its structure. And, and believe me, there's so much there, and I can go into even more about it about sort of nuance of using the definite and prepositional phrases and possessive sort of phrases and, and, and all sorts of interesting things about it. Um, and then there are things that get into, you know, if this noun is definite, it's spelled this way with this suffix, but if a noun is indefinite, you know this suffix can't end the noun, so it has to be spelled differently. And so definiteness really plays a core role in Arabic's fundamental grammar. Um, And much of this is also reflected in Hebrew as well. Hebrew does a lot of these uh, interesting things with definite as well. So I really just wanted to sort of shed some light on that. So as always, you know, if you have questions about this, um, if you want to know more, please let me know. Message me, email me. If you want to correct me about something I said, chances are there's a mistake somewhere. (laughs) I am only human. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm polyglot Aaron everywhere on all major social media, but your best bet is as always Instagram. And my email address is polyglot erin at gmail.com. And yeah, share with me what, you know, your language does. Um, maybe there are some interesting features that I haven't really experienced or, or, you know, read about. I'm, I'm really fascinated by sort of the variety of some of these things out there. So by all means, please reach out and, uh, let me know what you think. Um,